Welcome to episode 114 of the Civil Engineering Podcast, the first podcast dedicated to helping civil engineering professionals succeed in work and life. I am your host, Anthony Fasano. I am a licensed professional engineer who practiced as a civil engineer, but eventually decided I wanted to focus more on inspiring engineers rather than doing the engineering myself. So since then, I've written a book called Engineer Your Own Success and have traveled the world helping engineers. And through this podcast, Myself and my co-host, Chris Knudsen, try to bring you information that can help you succeed in every episode. I've also had the honor of authoring the American Society of Civil Engineers Careers and Leadership column for the past few years. At the Engineering Management Institute, we believe that in order to be the best civil engineer you can be, you must consistently get better, get better at your craft, your people skills, and as a leader. And that's why we publish this free podcast to help you do just that. In this episode, I will be speaking with Scott Harrigan, who is the CEO, co-founder, and chief pilot at Harkin Aerial, about the use of drones in civil engineering, and specifically what civil engineering firms need to know about providing drone services themselves or hiring outside firms to do it for them. Scott Harrigan is the owner and chief pilot at Harkin Aerial. He's a mechanical engineer by trade. He first started in the industry as a junior MEP engineer at Nelson and Pope on Long Island, but at the same time, he was introduced to drone technology by some of his friends in the filmmaking industry. Years later, after seeing the incredible benefits drones could provide by accessing dangerous locations, Scott founded Harkin Aerial. At Harkin, he works to assist engineering, construction, and architecture firms by providing data collection and consulting services using drones. Now, in addition to his role at Harkin, Scott currently serves as a second lieutenant and aerospace education officer with the Long Island Group of the U.S. Civil Air Patrol, where he utilizes drones to fulfill CAP's aerospace education and search and rescue directives. He's also an active member of the Academy of Model Aeronautics, AMA, as well as the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association. Scott holds a Bachelor's of Science in Mechanical Engineering from Binghamton University. And again, he's going to get into in this interview what civil engineering firms need to know about equipment, about where to start, what to think about, the FAE regulations, etc. We're also publishing this podcast episode in video form. Scott and I were together for this, and he actually had a drone with him, and he held it up and talked a little bit about it. So if you feel like you're listening and you really want to see the drone, just go to youtube.com forward slash engineering careers and look for the Civil Engineering Podcast episode there with Scott Harrigan. It's on the Civil Engineering Podcast playlist on our YouTube channel, and be sure to subscribe there. Before we jump in with Scott, this is a free show, and our sponsors help us keep it free. So please support them. Now I'd like to recognize our sponsor for this episode, PPI, by asking you to listen up later on in this podcast for my advice on how to advance your career in 2019. I'll be sharing info on where to find practical tips and time-tested resources for your civil engineering licensure exam. Don't miss it. A couple of things I want to tell you about real quickly. Number one, I am going to be giving an all-day leadership and management training for engineers in the New York City area. I will be actually partnering with ENR. It is the ENR Engineering Management Training Symposium. You can get tickets by going to enr.com forward slash EMTS. That's EMTS for Engineering Management Training Symposium. Again, it's a full day. It's a great price. 
and we will work on all the leadership skills that I often talk about on this podcast. And you will even make a mini presentation if you stay for the afternoon. So check that out. And lastly, I just want to remind you that we are developing an assessment that will help you to understand your current potential as an engineering manager, engineering leader because we've done tons of research on this. We now know what the four key drivers are to successful engineering managers, and we can measure those in you or in your firm if you work for a firm and you want to get it across the firm. So we're a few months away from releasing it. We're about to go through a case study with some of the top engineering firms to make some tweaks and finalize the model, but we're super excited about it. And I'll tell you more information as I have it here on the podcast. All right, now it's time to dive into our civil engineering conversation of the week and talk about drones. Civil Engineering Podcast. Civil Engineering Podcast. Anthony Fasano here from the Engineering Management Institute, and I am excited to welcome Scott Harrigan onto the Civil Engineering Podcast. Scott is the owner and chief pilot at Harkin Aerial, and we're going to talk about drones today. So drones have been around for a while, but they continue to be more and more popular in the AE industry in terms of firms using them for projects, for whatever reasons, tough to reach sites, you know, sites that are large, whatever the case may be. We've had a past episode on it, but it was years ago. And as you and I joked about off camera, you know, tomorrow drones will be different in terms of the technology and things will be obsolete. So I'm excited to have Scott on. Scott, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. So before we dive into the world of drones, and we have some points we want to cover here, tell us how you got into this space. Sure. So long story short, really started in college when I was a mechanical engineering major. And two things happened. One, I was lucky enough to get my private pilot license, or work on my private pilot license in the summers between college. And I originally really was into aviation. And my original career path, I thought I wanted to go more into aerospace engineering. Um, But I stuck it out with mechanical. Loving aviation all the way through, though. And my senior design project in college was actually an RC aircraft, which is where I kind of got into, you know, just designing one from scratch. And really, that's how I kind of got into the whole drone RC aircraft craze there. After graduating, though, the first uh, job I had picked up out of college was for a, uh, as an MEP engineer for, you know, a uh, engineering firm on Long Island that did traffic uh, planning, you know, stuff like diesel stations, okay. compressed natural gas stations, that kind of stuff. So I was more towards the civil engineering field and towards the, you know, um, right. environmental and, and MEP and working with architects a lot. So generally, that's, that's kind of how it all blended. The last part of the whole puzzle was that I was uh, actually working weekends with a startup in Brooklyn that was working on drones. Uh, okay. So I kind of give my evenings and weekends to these guys in Brooklyn who, uh, this is 2013, right. before drones were really, really taking off. And they had the idea that they would custom build a drone, and they were looking for a mechanical engineer to help them out and help them design a drone there. So that's, that's really how it started. Once that idea got in my mind, and I was both doing you know, the site, the MEP work, and then on weekends was working with drones, that's where I started to think, okay, well, you know, maybe there's a use for these things outside of film and more into you know, civil engineering, site engineering. And then... Eventually, you started your company, Harkin Aerial, kind of worked on it a little bit on the side, and then eventually was able to do it full-time, right? Correct, yep, yep. Now, you gotta, so now you're busy. <laughs> now we're quite busy, exactly. The key with that was, at the time, people were really doing film and photography, and it took a lot of time for us to kind of work through the weeds 
at one point, it was both um, a good friend of mine back, like one of my best friends from high school actually, is who I originally started the company with. Okay. Also another mechanical engineer, a guy who um, went to uh, actually UPenn for robotics, so he was very into that whole, mm. that whole thing. Wow. And from there, he, uh, we decided that this, we really loved RC aircraft, really loved drones, and we kind of wanted to tailor it more towards the engineering sector. And we thought, you know, well, this is a tool that some people are taking photos of, you know, uh, you know, real estate listings and doing, you know, architecture photography shoots with right. it. And we, with my field experience back working with my first job out of college, realized we could really tailor this more towards the architectural and engineering design aspect of it. And actually, you know, work on collecting data that people would use that would be beneficial to the design process for engineers and not just photography for marketing and, and that kind of thing. Wow, so, that's great. So that's yeah. kind of the evolution of how you got started here. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly. awesome. Yeah. All right, Scott, so let's start talking about these things here, yeah. these drones. So I understand that there are more than a million drones in active use commercially in the U.S. these days. Is that that's, that's quite correct. Probably that's, more than that at this point. Yeah, I'm sure. That's, that's an amazing thing <laughs> to imagine of how common these things are really becoming. So talk to us a little bit about, well, first of all, let's start with for listeners or viewers here that are in the AE industry, civil engineering firms, environmental firms, why would they use these things for their projects? What are they gonna use a drone for? Sure, so, so a variety of things, and, and how we find it works is, firms like to start with the smaller and the easier deliverables first. So okay. the first one is always gonna be photo and video. It's always going to be the most readily accessible way to use a drone. Simple aerial photos, video, so you know, construction progress on a site, mm. monitoring a site, monitoring for safety, or just generally taking aerial photos to check existing conditions and to you know, monitor your project as you go through it. Okay. Um, that's always gonna be the, the first one, but what people find is once they really get into the drone, they start using it, there's a lot of really amazing technologies that support the drone ecosystem that are very beneficial to engineers. So specifically mapping and photogrammetry are two of them. Okay. Mapping is exactly what you'd think, actually creating stitched maps from a variety of photos that the drone takes. These drones can't fly too high. Legally, they're only restricted to about 400 feet, which is, comes from the FAA. Okay. But you can take a lot of photos on a site and stitch them together to create a equivalent of what you'd get from more like satellite aerials. I see. So, so being able to view your entire site at once through some post-processing right. is really where, the, where we see the industry headed, those kind of deliverables. Mm. On top of that, what we got into a lot of, and I'd say our number one product we're giving to our engineers, are models made from photogrammetry. Okay, so explain to us yeah. what that is, Sure. So photogrammetry is the process of building an accurate 3D model from a bunch of photographs. Okay. And essentially, it's complementing surveying operations more and more in the field because you're actually able to create your entire model in 3D, and by using reference points from a surveyor, um, you can actually create a very accurate 3D model. Hmm. So you can get rough elevations, you can get contours, you can get a lot of site data that you just could not before oh. from the drones. So we're really seeing it move that way. And products and, and you know modern CAD programs are all learning how to accept the... 3D modeling data from the drone right. and integrate it into CAD um, more and more easily than ever before. So that's kind of like the next generation we're seeing there, where the drones were great at taking photos and video, yep. but now they're delivering real, real measurable data 
and mostly in the form of 3D models that engineers can use to make site measurements way, way easier. Wow, that's yeah. really interesting. Yeah. And so I would imagine that as drones evolve, your services evolve, and what you're able to do for firms evolve, and it sounds like there's a whole, a whole nother kind of atmosphere of the software now that goes with these and the programs Correct. that can support this. Correct. Yeah, exactly. You know, when we first started, most of our training was just showing somebody how to fly and operate the drone. Right. That's getting easier and easier every time. I mean, these have automated flight systems in them that'll basically do the mapping uh, for you. You know, you're more guiding it to the area you want and it will actually wow. execute a flight by itself. So as the drone itself gets easier and easier to fly and operate, our training and our consulting has gone more towards, well, what do you do after that? You know, right. how, do you, how do you get a good, accurate 3D model from these things? Right, because you've amassed all this data now and you want to use it as effectively as possible. Exactly, yeah. exactly, yeah. All right, so that being said, you know, that gives us a good idea of what we might use the drones for. Talk to us about regulations and guidelines for these things, because sure. obviously there are a bunch. There are, there are quite a few. I think uh, one good thing for engineering firms looking to adopt this technology is it's definitely easier than it used to be. Okay. Um, brief history, originally, uh, and how I got started in this, is you actually needed your private pilot's license to fly a drone for commercial purposes originally, which is pretty crazy. The FAA required that you'd be at least a private pilot or higher on the man pilot Wow. certification to fly one of these. Hmm. And in 2016, that all changed. So in 2016, August 2016, the FAA issued what's called the Remote Pilot Certificate, mm -hmm. which is much, much easier to obtain, and it's how any engineer can legally fly drones commercially. It's basically you go and you sit and you take, I believe it's a 70-question test nowadays, and if you complete and study for that test and you pass it, you have a commercial drone license for up two okay. years. So. Sounds actually, incredible. yeah, very, very. And getting certified is actually one of the easiest parts of the whole thing. Where it gets more difficult with regulations and where we are now is still working out how to get drones operating near airports and near more congested areas in an efficient and safe manner. So if you live near a major city, you're going to have more regulatory hurdles than if you're you know, out in a much more rural area. Uh, like, for example, here in the Tri-State, we have three airports. Right. We have JFK, LaGuardia, and Newark, so right. uh, we, we're in the thick of it. Uh, it, it. It doesn't get more complicated. So there's like some kind of a radius, I guess, from the airports? Or? Yep. And without delving really far into it, it gets a little crazier. And actually, the majority of the commercial drone pilot test is learning all about the airspace that right. man pilots have to learn about, which isn't always perfect circles. There's some weird shapes, weird yeah. designs, hmm. and uh, figuring out where it's legal to fly. Generally, as long as you're not in controlled airspace, you won't have an issue. But now, more and more, there are pretty solid pathways to operate there. You basically have to file and do some paperwork in advance with the FAA if you want to fly near an airport. But you can. There is a process okay, to legally do that. There is a process that. for doing it. And that, that's a big part of what we help you know, engineering companies do. Exactly. Work through all that paperwork and all those permits. So tell me this. So do you work more for engineering companies that have drones and you assist them with either the drone services or the data once they've collected it or i'm assuming both but just talk a little bit about the differences sure you know where do you work for firms that have no drones at all still the majority of the work is actually with firms that have no drones at all it's generally a size thing a lot of the larger engineering firms that have you know some resources to devote to this will start and bring a drone program in-house. Okay. But a lot of the mid and smaller size firms still find that the FAA hurdles are just still not something they want to deal with. 
And so we do handle a lot of that. I'd say the majority of our clients are still, we're flying, we're processing, we're delivering right okay. to them. But I think that needle is going to shift more and more towards even the mid and the smaller size companies adopting their own drone program because it is getting easier. Um, and the FAA is working out smoother ways and there's, um, there are really interesting startups out there that are trying to simplify yeah. airspace uh, warning and you know, uh, make simpler maps for people right. to understand all these regulations. Okay, so you'll probably be shifting in the future more towards support services because more Correct. and more companies will adopt it, which seems to make a lot of sense. So, you know, if our listeners are listening here and they're interested in maybe bringing drones into their company, what are some things that they should be aware of? Of course, the regulations, which you told us about already. Sure. But, you know, anything else about drones or when they're deciding on what drones to purchase and things of that nature that you could offer to the listeners? Sure, Definitely. Like many new projects, starting off simple is a really good way to go. A lot of engineering firms think that, oh, well, we're, we're taking measurements, we're, you know, doing some, you know, heavy-duty stuff here. We need to go crazy and buy, you know, a giant expensive drone. Not at all. I mean, this is DJI Mavic okay. Pro, a fantastic one to start out with. The drone, all in all, on the older models, costs anywhere from like a grand to $1,500 for the drone, and a few hundred dollars more for batteries, and that... This can do a significant amount of inspection and photography in its own right. Um, so starting off with just a small amount of drones and easing into it right. is really the way to go, I find. Keep it simple. Exactly, exactly. And the other thing is have a good idea of what you want to accomplish before you even go out and get the drone. You know, decide what challenge are you trying to solve with the drone. Because though you can start simple, there's a variety. I mean, there are people who use drones for thermal imaging. There right. are people who use drones for mapping. And like many things, not one drone can do it all well. You may have to specialize and, you know, pick a more specific drone for what you want to do. So having a very clear understanding of what you want to get will help everything. Because it's not just about buying the drone. It's about what kind of data are you producing. Does right. that data take a lot, up a lot of, you know, space on computers and storing the data and processing okay. it? And figuring out that whole workflow before you even start to do your field operations with drones is gonna save people a lot of time and money and you know, getting the most out of these. Hmm, that's interesting. And so what was the yeah. model? And again, we yeah. have a drone here. If you're listening to the audio version of this, we'll put a link in the show notes to um, this drone. If you're, otherwise you can go to YouTube and just Google Scott Harrigan Civil Engineering Podcast and you can check out the drone. So this was the DJI. Yeah, this is a DJI Mavic. This is actually now a older model. It's been replaced by the DJI Mavic 2, which okay. has a far better camera. A really, really amazing camera, actually. And this is the camera here in the front. Yep, right? exactly. And if you want to see here. So the way these work is it's actually it's gimbaled. So it sits in its own little stabilizing enclosure. Oh. So, you know, oh, wow. you, the photography and the video that comes out of this thing is already insanely stable. Right. Um, so you really don't have to do much work in terms of the photo and, you know, acquisition part of it. Wow. And this is considered the lower tier of, right. you know, the whole world at this point. So you can do a lot with a little with drones. And it really doesn't take much to, you know, get a program running and, and start collecting meaningful data with them. And, uh, you know, really, just starting to get some use out of them. Yeah, that's great. And I think, quite frankly, for civil engineering firms or environmental firms, you're always looking to differentiate yourself. Yep. And there's still enough firms, like you said, that don't have any drones yet, right. you know, based on the work that you're doing. And so even just getting a simple one and starting to do some simple work, even if you have someone like Scott who's also helping you on the back end, you know, again, it's a differentiating service. Exactly. That you can say to people, and I know 
from my work as a civil engineer, when I was working as a surveyor, many jobs we got because we did the surveying first. And because we had the survey, they hired us to do the engineering. I mean, it just made sense. We were on the site. We were familiar with the site. So, you know, if, if you now you have a drone and you're able to get a job because you have a drone, again, you get on the inside track to getting the full engineering services for that project. Exactly. And, you know, I tell people it's a lot easier to have those years of experience as a surveyor, a civil engineer, and learn the drone portion than it is to come in blindly knowing drones and learn the surveying and the engineering portion. Right. So civil engineers and surveyors especially are in just a really, really good position to take care of this, to take advantage of this technology because you're still going to need to do groundwork. You still need to go, uh, go in and do that initial site survey. Right. Uh, this can just really extend your efficiency in, in doing those ground surveys. Yeah, and you're right. So in our field, you can really leverage the technology because you already understand mapping. You already understand exactly. what you need in terms of sites. And those of you that are listening, I mean, we talk about this a lot in developing an expertise in your engineering career and what that can do for your credibility and your reputation. This is a perfect thing that you can focus on and become an expert in drones exactly. because it's relatively new and you don't have to go to school for years to learn it, right? You can take courses, you can do things to learn about the technology and you have that background in engineering that you can use to leverage it on top of it. So that's what I really like about it. So Scott, one other thing here, let's talk about in terms of firms that are want to you know, bring drones in and use these services, what do they need to think about in terms of insurance? Sure, that's a great question. So generally, insurance with drones is covered separately under its own uh, okay. insurance policy, both covering the drone itself and the liability coverage for it. So you can call up a variety of places and, and people can go generally through their existing brokers that already give them insurance and they'll be able to find and get them a unmanned aircraft insurance policy. Okay. Liability is pretty much required on any site you're working on for the drone and people definitely want to understand that your general liability uh, usually won't cover something like a drone because the minute that thing's up in the air right. it's its own little entity it's its own little thing and you know you are operating a separate aircraft you are operating an aircraft as far as the FAA is concerned getting the liability insurance that specifically covers the drones is definitely something that you want to do covering the drone with its hull uh, the actual hull coverage is actually more of a specific to what you're looking for. Um, sometimes the drones are honestly so inexpensive that the hull coverage is not always worth it because you might be replacing a drone with another drone in a relatively short amount right. of time. So we found that. We found the hull coverage can vary uh, depending on what the intended purpose and what drone you have, but the liability is absolutely essential. You'll certainly want that because they, they are fast, Right. Small objects and, you know, God forbid you have an issue on a site, you, you want to be covered. Is there, okay, and that's what you mean in terms of if something breaks? Right, exactly. Or something. Okay. Yeah. All right, yeah, that's good to know. So just to recap that a little bit. So first of all, if you want to bring drones into your firm, keep it simple. Don't go crazy. First of all, you want to be able to use it effectively and, and make it easier to learn. So, you know, get a simple model to begin with. Secondly... Uh, you know, try to do simple projects, I would say, to begin with. You're not going to start with the most complex project on your own. You might want to have someone like Scott help you, but if it's a simple site that you can work with, you know, why not give it a shot? It can give you that credibility and that reputation and that angle of against competitors that don't have the drone services. Make sure you're up to date on all the FAA regulations. You're going through the right. process that uh, Scott explained to get the proper paperwork that you need to be able to fly 
Do you call it a license or? Yeah, it is a remote pilot license or a certificate. And okay. that's what they consider, yeah. Make sure you get your certificate and then mm-hmm. lastly, contact your insurance broker and see what insurance coverages you might need to add to make sure that you're covered should anything happen, of course, um, with the drone or, you know, God forbid, with someone operating it or something that happens. So we make sure that your bases are covered. So, Scott, before we jump into our Take Action Today segment, talk a little bit about your career. Could you give an example of a project that you've worked on, you know, just to kind of give our listeners kind of a realistic example of what something this might be used for? Sure. Um, one of the more exciting projects we did recently is we worked with an environmental engineering firm to try and use thermal imaging. So aerial hmm. thermography. So the drone is flying a thermal camera. And we're actually doing an attempt to figure out if we could pinpoint leaks in a uh, village's water system. Oh, wow. Uh, Yep, basically looking at the temperature difference between the ground that is uh, dry or ground that has been saturated by water that may be coming up from a water main leak. Uh, So there's more and more really cool projects like that. Yeah, and that involves so many different levels of expertise. I myself had to go and take a course on thermal imaging and get my thermography certification on top of my drone certification for that one. So, you know, you're learning how to operate the drone. You're also learning how to interpret thermal images properly. And then on top of that, you're, of course, working with engineers who understand the water systems very well. So when you're kind of tiering those multiple levels of expertise, you can really deliver a service that, you know, is extremely unique and might be able to solve a problem in a way, you know, no one had really considered before. Sounds like such an interesting, you know, industry and technology. I'm really excited that you're here, you know, sharing the information with us. All right. So once again, we're here with Scott Harrigan from Harkin Aerial. Stick around. We're going to come back in a minute and wrap up with our civil engineering hot seat segment where I'm going to pepper Scott with a couple of questions about his professional development. Civil Engineering Podcast. Civil Engineering Podcast. Now it's time for our civil engineering hot seat segment which in today's episode is brought to you by our sponsor, PPI. Do you feel stuck in your job? Not sure how to move forward? All of us have been there at one point. One surefire way to move up in your career is to get your civil engineering license. The best place to gather info on licensure and pick from multiple print and digital review options is ppi2pass.com. PPI has helped over 4 million engineers pass their licensure exam and become leaders in their fields. They offer licensure exam prep for the FE Civil, PE Civil, and SE exams. So no matter where you are in your path to career advancement, you can count on PPI support. Take the first step towards making 2019 a great year for you professionally and check out everything PPI offers to make your journey to engineering licensure as smooth as possible. Save 15% when you use code EMI15 at checkout. Visit ppi2pass.com to find essential licensure exam prep books, digital review, and helpful tips and advice. That's PPI, the number two, P-A-S-S.com. All right, we're back with Scott Harrigan from Harkin Aerial here on the Civil Engineering Podcast, and now it's time for our Civil Engineering Hot Seat segment. You ready, Scott? I am. It is pretty hot in the studio, so (laughs) this works. All right, first question, are there any specific rituals that you practice every day? For example, do you have a specific morning ritual or lunchtime routine, something that you do consistently on a daily basis that has contributed to your success? Sure. I don't have a specific morning ritual except for, simple as it is, lists. I do lists like crazy. Okay. I, I use a little app called, uh, I think, Wonderlist, which is like a great little free app that you know works on your phone on that. 
Actually, that was introduced to me by the startup I worked with with drones before because there's just so many things in a day to yeah. tackle. And yeah, breaking everything down into just simple lists and plans of, you know, who I got to contact, who I got to reach back out to, what so I have to do. keeping a good to-do list for yourself is yeah. a big, big routine. That, that's you. definitely a huge, huge one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That sounds good. <laughs> what is one book that you recommend to engineers regularly or just a book that you found to be helpful, whether it's drone-related or just general, any book, really? Sure. I think, I mean, it's a classic, but I, when I was actually looking for work originally, uh, right out of college, I was looking at how to win friends and influence people. Okay. I don't, never considered myself a self-help book, self, yeah. you know, I never read a book like that at all, and I had a couple engineering friends suggest that, and I just loved that one because it didn't beat around the bush, right. and it was just very straightforward about how to interact with people, you know, how to always be people-focused and you know, remember that it's always about, it's always a people problem at the end of the day, you yeah. know, or, or, or dealing with people always. And, and understanding what people really care about. And, you know, especially when we run like this high tech startup, so to speak, right. you can get so lost in the details of the technology yeah. and all of that. And it just always helped kept me grounded and just remember, you know, you're solving challenges that deal with people at the end of the day. Yeah, I think um, that's so great. And I think that it's so important, I mean, in this civil engineering world, I mean, everything is big projects, big calculations, big reports, right? But at the end of the day, none of that stuff gets done without people and people interaction. Right. And so we've had over 100 episodes of the Civil Engineering Podcast. I want to bet or guarantee that 30% of the people that came on the show said that book. I would bet. Believe it or not. Yeah. And with good reason. Mm -hmm. And every time someone says it, I, you know, it makes sense to me. And it, again, it gives us a chance to highlight the importance of your people skills, which is something that we focus a lot on here at the Institute. Two more questions. First one, think about a manager that you had in your career that you really liked, okay? You don't have to give names or anything, but the point is, is what was it that made that manager a good manager for you? I really lucked out right out of the gate. The first uh, manager I had right out of college for the MEP firm I was working for really, really, I think, helped me do two things. One was open to letting me learn whatever you know, letting me take the time to learn what interested me and, and really letting me, you know, kind of carve out my own interest in the company and, you know, just okay. very much gave me the tools to learn, right. but also knew when to kind of, you know, sit back and gave let me... Like a leash to go Exactly. Out. It gave me the right amount of leash there. And then the other one, I think, is when it came with the big, big projects was also a good filter in the sense of, you know, helped me focus on just understand what tasks I had to complete. Right. And in some ways... In the very beginning, especially when I was a brand new engineer, you know, insulate me right. in a way from, you know, the more complex workings of it. Yeah. So I could really understand my part in it and then kind of pull back the blinds bit by bit and understand the bigger picture. And uh, I just always appreciated the way my original manager was able to balance both letting me learn and give me the freedom to train, but also being clear about, you know, my role in the company and making it clear what right. I need to do to succeed. That's great. Yeah. It's good yeah. that you had someone like that, especially Very right much. out of the gate. Yeah. I mean, and taught me AutoCAD. Taught me everything yeah. I know about drafting, which I, I do. Which is obviously critical. I, I use it every day. Yeah. More now, almost, than when I was an MEP engineer, which is crazy. But, right. Yeah. All right. So last question for you, Scott. If you were to get into an elevator with a young engineer in the AE industry, in the civil engineering field, and they were looking for like some career advice, you only had about 30 seconds to talk to him yeah. or her. Based on what you've done so far in your career, what would that advice be? It's definitely to start with what you really love and enjoy, and then I think work from that back to your current position or where you are right now. Because I, 
I, aviation was always something that was a long, long thread for me. And, right. and I, I originally thought they were two very separate worlds. I thought, how could I possibly put aviation and, you know, MEP engineering? I mean, I was in buildings all day, right. far, far from an airport, right? And I felt it was this black and, for the longest time, I felt it was this black and white choice. So I had to go into, I had to quit this job and leave and go and, you know, to become an airline pilot. And it's the right. only way I'd ever get aviation back into my life. But, but there are ways. You never really see the road ahead perfectly. So, you know, you might be amazed how things you're passionate about and your current position can, you know, merge together. And I think it's always looking for opportunities to bring your passion into what you're doing and yeah. what your current field is. They, they can be closer than you might expect. Yeah, no, that's, yeah. that's great yeah. because when you love what you do, obviously it makes everything easier and helps you, oh, to, yeah. I think, perform better. Yeah. But it's, what I love about that point is, is that sometimes people think that what they love to do is not related to what they're actually doing or the education background that they have. Exactly. But obviously yeah. with technology and all things going mm -hmm. on today, there's always ways to bring things together. Yep, exactly. You just have always to keep looking. So, <laughs> all right, Scott Harrigan from Harkin Aerial, Perfect. thank you so thank much you. for coming on the Civil thank Engineering Podcast. We hope that this was helpful for you. We'll hope that you think about drones and how you can possibly implement them into your career by building your expertise or into your company. And until next time, we hope that you continue to engineer your own success. I hope you enjoyed our episode today with Scott Harrigan. Drones is a really interesting topic. It's a technology that is evolving and evolving and evolving. And while it's been around for a while, as Scott mentioned, it's changing so quick. So I'm sure this is not the last episode we'll have on drones, probably not even the last episode we'll have on drones this year, just because of the rapid pace of the technology. But Scott was great. I really enjoyed it. I love the example. Again, you can see the drone on YouTube. We published this episode as video form as well. If you go to youtube.com forward slash engineering careers, that's our YouTube channel. We also do weekly management tip videos there as well, and you could subscribe to that channel. So again, remember, if you want to take a look at the show notes for this episode, go to civilengineeringpodcast.com, look for episode 114. There you're going to find a summary of the key points discussed in today's episode as well as links to any of the resources, websites, or books mentioned during the episode. And also remember, please, if you're in the New York City area and you want to ramp up your management and leadership skills, come see me April 16th in New York City. We're partnering with ENR to put on the Engineering Management Training Symposium. Go to enr.com forward slash EMTS. If you're not in the area or you prefer to do some online training, you can also check out our Engineering Management Accelerator Program at engineer2manager, that's engineertomanager.com. All right, until next time, I wish you the best in all of your civil engineering career endeavors. Thank you for listening to the Civil Engineering Podcast. Be sure to visit civilengineeringpodcast.com, where you can listen to past episodes and also submit your project to be featured on the show. We also invite you to visit our main website at engineeringcareercoach.com and download a free three-part video series created specifically for engineers to help you best utilize LinkedIn for networking, improve your communication and speaking skills, and also help to develop your leadership abilities. Now is the time to engineer your own success.